0: David, from your perspective, to go back to just the same way Betsy just got us on this notion of that COVID being a transformative factor for the nature and the practice of leadership, to what degree the last two and a half years have changed, basically, not just your job, but also the leaders, you know, working for you and working with you?
1: We all had to adjust to working 100% remotely. It used to be a mix. But we always knew there's an opportunity to meet face-to-face. During those two and a half years, it wasn't obvious when we're going to meet again face-to-face. So we had to understand, first of all, what does it mean for people who are working from us, working from home 100% of the time? What does that mean when you talk about work-life balance? used to be work-life balance means, hey, I'm out of the office at 6 o'clock because my son has a baseball game or I got a dinner with my wife. What is work-life balance when you work from home? Honestly, we didn't have the answer. And more often than not, we realized that our employees, not only they didn't have the answer, they made a huge mistake thinking that because there's nothing else to do, leaving the house, watching a movie or whatever, I'm going to stay in my home office, get out, say hi to my family, eat dinner and come back. And we very quickly realized that they are burning themselves out And that the work-life balance is being challenged in a negative way when you work virtually. And we had a response to that, which I can cover in a minute. We also realized that there's more uncertainty because it's hard to communicate when you cannot meet people in the so-called water cooler. There's no chatter. There's no, I'm going to walk to somebody's office, because I heard a rumor that we just hired somebody or we are bidding for a new line of business. It's hard to do that when you work virtually. And so how you communicate to the people, what's the status of the business or decision that you've made, which previously you assumed everyone knew within 24 hours, how do you do that when they all work virtually? So it's a set of challenges that we all had to deal with. And frankly, I believe that we came out of this much better manager. So even now without COVID, even now that we can travel and see each other, we have more tools in our toolbox that we can use to better communicate. Because previously it was, okay, whatever, people will hear about it. Now I know there's a great way to communicate. I have a coffee with a CEO every Friday. I have that coffee personally if I'm in the office or virtually if I'm not. But everyone in my company knows on a Friday at 2 p.m. East Coast, there's an hour where everything is on the table. David will tell you everything. You just wanted to know and then some. If you have any questions, you can ask them. Previously, you know, it wasn't that critical. Just this one example.
0: I think there is that notion, perhaps, that the distribution, the inflation of information coming at us seriously Mm -hmm. has increased ambiguity and uncertainty. And quite often I found myself, but I know from both your stories, that The leader is here also in the uncertainty reduction business. It's to clarify things beyond the level of comfort. Not everything can be always clarified, but more and more of those communications I find for myself are about injecting clarity. It's almost like if everybody is in a bit of a cloud of uncertainty about things that before, as you say, were not really an issue and now have become one. Let's start with some examples. I would love for you to pick one situation from government experience, medicine, education, corporate management, either that you have lived or that you have observed with colleagues or with companies you're consulting with. Describe one or two key qualities you would expect today's leader. And again, not necessarily the chief executive. I'm interested as you say, Betsy, everybody is a leader of mm. something, including mm-hmm. themselves. One or two key qualities you will demand that are necessary for leadership today. Take the audience into a world that you yeah. know and describe one or two of those qualities.
2: One of the leaders that I've been following through this COVID, who I've just been absolutely enthralled with, is Prime Minister of New Zealand, Jacinda Ardern. She was just at Harvard. She gave the commencement speech this year. She's amazing. She kept COVID out of New Zealand. And what's interesting about her, first of all, just piggybacking on what you just said about leaders dealing with uncertainty and anxiety, one of her quotes about leadership is the true measure of leadership today is to confront the anxiety of the people of your time. I love that, right? So the true measure of leadership today is to confront the anxiety of the people of your time and their time. And what's amazing about her, first of all, she's a young woman. She's the second woman prime minister to have a baby in office. She has a little daughter now who's three, and before COVID, she'd gone to the UN to give a speech, and someone had said to her, you know, how can you be a prime minister and have a baby? And her response was, I don't think I'm the only working woman to have a baby. So she represents this kind of new model of leadership. But what's amazing is that she really integrated the head and the heart in her leadership, Everything she talked about was, we are a team of 5 million. We are in this together. So she brought the facts and the data. What is this pandemic? What are we dealing with? What are the data? And here's what we're doing. We're shutting the borders and we're going to stay at home. But then she also brought in the empathy and the care. And I'm in this with you. And she and her cabinet all took a 20% pay cut to say, we're with you. And She went on Facebook live every day talking about, here's what's happening in my life. Here's what I know what you're going through. And she did some very funny things. Like she would announce, like, we have uh, non-essential workers and essential workers. And one of the days she said one of the essential workers was the tooth fairy. And so she just did some cute things like that. And then the other thing she used to say that the leadership of New Zealand boils down to one concept that we're pursuing here, and it's kindness. So she really brought in the kindness, the empathy, some humor, some of her own vulnerability of being at home with her mate and her daughter, but the reality of what this covid looks like and what needs to be done and the hard decisions to be made like closing the borders. I think she's about 41 or 2 now, so she represents this young millennial female new way to lead. And her mantra was always team of 5 million, be strong and be kind.
0: It's interesting in that's a wonderful example should just box it the way it is you'd never pronounce the word that a prime minister should worry about like policy and strategy and all those words that are like cherished world in the world of leadership Mm. talk about anxiety and empathy does it create a kind of a new intimacy that Mm. exists before between leaders and their followers it's almost like the distance between a leader and the rest of the team, in a sense, has been shortened by a great amount.
2: But that's what connects us, right? It connects us as human beings, is that. That's what COVID has given us too, by us being, to see each other's living rooms and our children running by and our animals barking and do you know what I mean? All that stuff, like seeing us like maybe in our sweatpants and that part of us that we're not perfect. This is who we are as human beings. And that's what Jacinda Arden represents in New Zealand is I'm a human too. I'm home with a baby and I'm like you. That's the piece that I'm like you and I have things in my life. That's the whole thing about uncovering, right? So as a leader, who am I? And what struggles do I have that you can relate to? It humanizes us, humanizing leadership.
1: I'd like to follow up on what Betsy said as well. I think this is the highest degree of empathy that a leader could have. It does cross the line of what historically was a distance between a manager and an employee. Now it's more okay to talk about personal life, to ask, you know, how is your mom doing? Uh, you told me last week she's going to an operation and follow up in a very empathic way. I think it's an important part, not only of us as human beings who care about each other, but also as manager, to show that person that we didn't just ask, hey, how are you doing in passing? We remember the answer to that question and we had that follow-up. That person, and I'm telling you from example, would do anything for you after they realize that you absolutely care. You do have that sense of empathy. You're not faking it. You're not just following a playbook of ask those questions to make them feel like you care. You absolutely care, and the power of that is unbelievable. You talk about policy; they'll do for you things that you don't need to police because you gave them so much energy and so much commitment to you personally. And if you can bring the entire culture of your company to be empathic, oh man! I mean, the power of that—not single person, the entire culture becomes an empathic culture. They all know what's going on in people's life. They follow up. They send flowers. They do the things that make everyone feel like a family. People use the word family a lot, but the true nature of family, you know, it's hard to create that in a work environment. There are some lines that you're not supposed to cross socially. But I can tell you that emotionally, if you can bring the entire employee base to feel to treat each other like a family, to care about them, to feel for them, to sow sadness when they suffer. To be happy with them when they're happy, what you create is a powerful, powerful machine or company that will go far. I mean, deciding where to go, deciding how to get there, that's always important. But if you don't have that energy that comes from this powerful culture that cares about people, it doesn't matter how
0: smart your idea is, you will not go very far. It's amazing that we are rediscovering that. I remember reading when I was much younger. I was an Eagle Scout. Everything I learned about leadership, I learned in Mm -hmm. Boy Scouts. But learning about Napoleon, he was not exactly the softest person on earth. He crowned himself emperor from being basically a young officer in the French army. But he had the thing, and I don't think it was fake, because he knew the first name of every single member of his imperial guard, some 300 or 400 of them. And every morning when he was reviewing the guard, he was addressing them by their first name. Now, he had a phenomenal memory, but that's another story. But my point is that being empathetic and being personal and minimizing that distance you talk about doesn't mean that you cannot be a very tough and decisive decision maker. These are not the two polarities. You can be both at the same time. And that's really something that for some reason, a lot of management theories or leadership theories emphasize the latter rather than the former. And now we are rediscovering that other dimension that, yes, is very humane, but can also be very pragmatic because it achieves results. It's this balance between the two